Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Down the blind, Andrew Jump. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Thanks for joining us again for another week. Today we've got a special guest on, the NRL Physio. Uh, if you, for some strange reason, don't already follow him on all your social medias and you're a Supercoach fan or an NRL fan in general, you need to get onto that, at NRL Physio. I believe he's available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of your socials. He's a must-have for any Supercoach player and NRL fan. Um, we're going to have a chat to him today, and he's going to run us through every single injury in the NRL leading up to the 2020 season and just talk about his story in general because uh, it's it's quite an inspiring story how he's built you know, just a small social media page that was essentially just an interest for him on the side of his job into something that, you know, he's now getting interviewed by Fox Sports, Daily Telegraph, um, Supercoach fans around Australia rely on him every week. So it's a great chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's kick it off. Hey, Brian, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you going? Not too bad, not too bad. Mate, um, we've just had the big news of Jack Bird. What are your first thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, a bit concerning. Um, obviously, less than 12 months removed from an ACL reconstruction last year. Um, there's no sort of details yet on, you know, what they what they suspected to be or anything like that. But certainly from the just even from the reports, which is a bit speculative, but you can still sort of, you know, I guess make make some assumptions in terms of everyone seems to indicate that it's a suspected pretty serious knee injury. Bird was sort of punching the ground and screaming after his knee apparently buckled underneath him. And if there's anybody listening who's ever done an ACL before, you, you know what that feeling's like. Um, and we only saw, I think, Cameron King was the one most recently where he uh, ruptured it during the trial and even though we had vision and we could see that there was a risk for an ACL injury with the way he did it sort of after he'd suffered the injury he was just filthy you know screaming punching the ground in tears because it's one of those things that when you know you know um so those kind of hearing those reports through that he was kind of 
really upset, in a lot of pain, um, that kind of thing, knee buckling underneath him in a tackle, less than 12 months from an ACL injury, um, they're all not good signs. Now, yeah, as I said, the Broncos have come out and said um, what they suspect it to be, and, and look, it could be anything really at this stage, but um, yeah, there's a few things that are, that are quite concerning there at the moment. And explain to me, like, as the average punter, I, you know, I see an injury come up on social media. The first thing I do, I type up NRL physio and I see what your opinion is and what your thoughts are. Tell me from the moment Jack Bird hits the ground today, what does it look like on your end? How do you get to your diagnosis each time? Yeah, so like I guess Bird's probably a bit of a tough one um, because there's not really there's not really any vision to go off or anything to sort of base analysis off until we actually get some you know reports through. So I I pretty much just function off the same information everybody has access to. So um, reports from you know guys who work for whether it be you know in Jack Bird's case the Courier Mail or, or Fox Sports or whoever. So reports coming through from those guys. But um, also like being able to watch the footage is my big thing. Um, you know, seeing the mechanism of injury. So how that player suffers the injury has a lot of suggestion for what they potentially could have injured. Um, so so that kind of thing. I've got the same information that everybody has, but I obviously probably have that greater insight being a physio and understanding you know, footy injuries and stuff like that, being able to, I guess, deduce more quickly, you know, what the potentials could be um, for both recovery and, you know, like sort of what injury they have suffered. So it's like, you know, it's like the commentators. I think I've said this in the past, like the commentators when they're, you know, commentating on any game, you know, a player will go down and and the commentator will say, oh, you know, it looks like it looks like a shoulder or something. So something really general. I'm just a lot more specific than that. So I say, oh, it looks like an AC joint injury or in Jack Bird's case you know it looks like an ACL injury because you know of many different reasons he might uh, it might be a non-contact injury change of direction all the different like elements of how the injury is suffered can give a lot of information about what injury may have occurred and also then the potentials for recovery moving forward and I guess the immediacy of being able to provide that information to fans and punters um, yeah is is valuable. And I believe uh, a few of the club physios and club rehab people aren't your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, look, like it's a bit of a mixed bag, actually. Like I have some guys who work in the clubs who sort of like I have a great relationship with, you know, like I, I talk to them quite regularly and it's, um, yeah, they understand sort of what I'm like trying to do and not you know, not on their turf or anything like that. I'm not trying to be, you know, a physio within the NRL or anything like that. I've got my own practice here and, you know, I'm very happy where I am. Um, But yeah, look, I think it rubs some people the wrong way um, just purely because, you know, it's sort of never been done before. It's something new and they they sort of think that, you know, um, whether they think I I shouldn't be providing that information or or whatnot. But I I guess it's their prerogative as, um, as people who, work on medical stuff in in you know professional sports to have their patients as the number one priority and and usually if your patient is the number one priority obviously you know you've got the right to um 
the confidentiality of your medical information. So releasing too much information is absolutely in their priority to not do that. But like my number one priority is just helping educate the fans. So it's all all very general stuff. I'm not sort of breaking any any laws or anything, revealing inside information about medical um, information about these um, about these players. I'm just educating you know um, fans um, through the injury process. So how they suffer the injury, what does the rehab involve? How does, you know, how long does recovery take? What are the implications on return, returning to the field? Um, so yeah, look, that can, that can obviously, um, yeah, as I said, get some people uh, the wrong way, but um, look, I, I think that's pretty standard for um, once you start building up a bit of a following, there's going to be some people who like you and some people who don't. So when you first built your platform, you know, across Twitter, across Instagram and all that, like, did you see it as a market that you could target, like a little niche that someone had to fill and it was an opportunity for you or did you just sort of stumble across it? Uh, it was a bit of both. Like I, I probably stumbled across it. I um, had never really got into the NFL before and one of my mates invited me to an NFL sort of fantasy draft and this is going back sort of five or six years now. And I, because I'd never, never really got into NFL, I was like, you know, what, what do I do? And he said, get on Twitter and follow these accounts because that'll keep you up to date. And so I got on Twitter and I saw like all this information that, you know, for, for us as physios, like it's all information that's just, you know, normal everyday stuff, right? But these guys over in the American sports were highly, you know, highly valued. And and I sort of, you know, it opened my eyes to how valuable that information can be for general fans, you know, particularly obviously fantasy sports, um, but also like just general fans as well of clubs wanting to know, you know, the details around their players' injuries. So I kind of did see that I was like, well, that doesn't really exist in Australian sports and well, particularly rugby league, which was my, which is obviously my sport of sort of most interest. So yeah, I look, you know, uh, that's something that I think some of the, the NRL people get up in arms about is my name being NRL physio, mate, there wasn't any marketing sort of idea behind that. I literally just went, well, what do I call myself? And sort of, well, I'm a physio, I'm going to comment on NRL injuries. So that's what I called it. Um, didn't really think much of it, just thought I, uh, it's a good way to interact with fellow fans and um, talk about footy. And it just grew and grew. And, and sort of, you know, two or three years later, here we are. Oh, mate, you've made yourself completely invaluable to all Supercoach people. You know, in Australia, you've absolutely nailed your market. So I say well done to you. Um, we just spoke about um, Jack Bird, the unfortunate circumstances, of injury. Two more Broncos that are in the rehab room, Alex Glenn and Matt Lodge. What can you tell me? Yeah, so look, Lodge is a bit of an interesting one. Like he uh, has suffered a partial ACL tear. So usually when you hear ACL, probably 90% of the time it's a complete rupture because they happen in those explosive circumstances and, and 99 times out of 100, their complete rupture results in surgery. But for him, it's, it's a partial tear. So sometimes you can escape without surgery so they do sometimes require surgery it just comes down to how stable the knee is so what they'll do the broncos sort of put him through some tests and see is the knee you know functionally stable does it collapse when he changes direction all that kind of stuff and obviously it doesn't at this stage so usually they go through a bit of a rehab process and and if that's successful i i, I will stress that he's going through the rehab process and stuff like that, there is still a chance that the knee either, you know, just doesn't respond well to rehab or it could progress to a full rupture. So he could still require 
season-ending surgery, unfortunately. But the Broncos look you know, seem fairly confident that he'll be able to sort of go through the rehab and return then. So usually that's within like a two to three month kind of period. So that'll put him, I think, back from about round four onwards. Um, so sort of look anywhere from that round four to eight, I think would be his most likely. And then Alex Glenn, look, I mean, I'm sure in this list we're about to talk about, there's going to be a few hamstring injuries come up. But Glenn, probably the most concerning thing is he suffered a, a re-aggravation of a hamstring injury. So um, if you follow me on any of the social media accounts, you'll know that my thing with hamstrings is the recurrence rate is super high. It's like up to 30%. And then the re-injury, you know, if you do suffer a re-injury, the, the rehab is almost always longer. Um, so look, the Broncos are going to be really careful with Glenn, he said he was kind of 50-50 about whether he was going to play round one. So he's been ruled out, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But I don't think the Broncos will sort of rush him back because, like, if the, it keeps recurring, he's just going to be on the sidelines. I mean, we saw with the likes of Tom Trebojevic and, and Braden Burns last year, like, it can really knock you out of the season if um, if it doesn't go your way. Let's uh, let's move down to the nation's capital and talk about the Terminator in light green, Johnny Bateman. <laughs> Yeah, mate. I mean, look, I've been, well, I criticise might not be the right word, but I've, I've certainly been held to task by the Raiders fans for trying to put normal recovery times on John Bateman because apparently, you know, he's uh, he's superhuman and uh, will defy all odds. But um, he's had a quite a rare shoulder surgery, so you don't hear about it very often. He's actually had the end of his collarbone re- completely removed. Um, so you hear a lot about these AC joints sprains in footy players um he's effectively had his ac joint kind of completely removed he, he was getting a bit of impingement so pinching of, of the tissue and stuff within his shoulder it was obviously causing him some ongoing pain look the good news is he's had this same surgery on his other shoulder so it was something he was born with and eventually needed to get looked at on the other shoulder He's now got it looked at to on, on this current shoulder. Um, last time, I think he returned to play in 14 weeks, but he's hoping to do that in around 10 to 11 weeks, which will be that sort of round seven to eight. So, look, I'd be shocked if he shaves too much off that. Like a lot of things last year... Look, the Raiders do have a little bit of a pattern from last year of kind of saying, oh, look, like Bateman was a perfect example. He fractured his cheekbone last year and they sort of said he was going to be out 10 weeks when, look, you know, a fractured cheekbone, you can sometimes come back in as soon as four to six weeks and that's pretty standard. So when he did return in four to six weeks, I mean, it looks a lot better than the initial sort of expectations for the Raiders of, of 10 weeks but it's still within that normal range. So there, there was quite a few of those players from the Raiders last year. So a lot of them returned early in, in, in inverted commas, but sort of still within that normal range. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to shave too much off because that sort of 10 to 11 weeks is about the normal range for this kind of surgery. Um, but look, he might, you know, he might be able to do around five to six, but I, I wouldn't be as hopeful as last year. Uh, the boys in the black, white, and blue, the Sharkies, Matty Moylan, um, I hate to call a play injury prone, but it's almost getting to that point, isn't it? Well, yeah. Look, like my big thing always with injury prone is it's really, really hard to sort of, um, I guess, 
label a player injury prone as a whole in terms of, you know, from top to toe, they're injury prone throughout their entire body. But there's certainly injury prone sort of patterns that you can pick up. And, and Moyle, the likes of Moylan do show those sort of, I guess, characteristics. And, and particularly with those like hamstring and calf injuries because they have such a high recurrence rate. So he's at the moment, he's got a grade two calf injury according to Fox Sports. And that's a re, re-aggravation of a calf injury he suffered before Christmas. Um, and look, he suffered sort of four or five hamstring injuries last season as well. So he's one that's, yeah, obviously he's been on the on the treatment bench a lot over the last 12 months with these injuries that are, you know, that they are recurrences. They are, like, you do become a bit prone to them. So, look, from a, especially from, like, a super coach perspective or something like that, even in draft, he'll, he'll, be, a, uh, he'll be a risky one to sort of um, rely on early in the season because you just don't know when the next injury is coming around the corner. Well, I'm happy to say that I'm riding the Matty Moylan roller coaster in every single draft I'm in. So, um, yeah, it's really good to have you on. Cheers. <laughs> No worries, mate. Happy to pass on the good news. Let's move. Uh, let's move up to the Gold Coast um, now. Their young superstar AJ Brimson. Um, you know, we're hearing of some back issues there. It kind of worries me because, to me, just an average punter, it sounds a lot like the issues that Dylan Brown had last year, and that was a bit of a nightmare. What, what can you tell me about AJ Brimson? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like when it was first reported, it was kind of called bone bruising in his back. And like at the time, I put out a tweet saying, look, let's hope this is more a bone bruising from like an impact. So, you know, he's copped a knee in the back or something like that. And it's just a bit bruised or something like that. Because if and I said, if it was more like down the stress fracture side of things, and that has more sort of mid to long term implications. This week, we get the bad news that it is actually stress fractures. Um, so, look, like, even though that does sound nasty and, and would be horrible if we were in a sport like cricket and he was a fast bowler because we've seen, you know, players out for months and months and months, it's, it is it is still concerning. But the good news is is that it is a varied recovery. And, and I know that sounds weird to be good news, but in other words, not all cases are like Dylan Brown. So not all cases require that sort of three months on the sideline. Um, we had Josh Mansour. He had uh, suffered a little stress fracture in his spine last year, and he only missed two weeks. So it can be – they've just got to base it on the symptoms. So so are the symptoms – obviously checking scans as well to see sort of how the spine looks underneath, underneath those scans. But re- relaying that to how are his symptoms, uh, are they settling, you know? And obviously at the moment they just haven't settled enough. But it's really hard to predict a recovery with this one. Um, you know, as I said, like literally the difference between Josh Mansell, two weeks, Dylan Brown, sort of three to four months. That's sort of your best case to worst case. Um, with the Titans sort of like, I think they named him on an extended bench even this week and they were sort of talking he may play earlier in the week. That kind of gives me some, you know, some promising signs that it might be sort of on the minor end of things. But, yeah, look, he's still certainly one that you don't like hearing a stress fracture thing. It definitely would have been a lot better if it was just bruising from kind of a knee in the back or something like that. No doubt. Let's uh, let's move down to the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Brandon Smith, we saw him in the All-Stars game. Apparently, he's the best player in the world with a broken face. It was incredible, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah. Look, like, that was... I mean, for a, for a you know a, a game that is a, a preseason game, that that All Stars game holds a bit of feeling to the, to those boys, obviously, and and for him to stay out there for as long as he did, 
um, with what ended up being a facial fractures, uh, a phenomenal effort. So I, they haven't said whether it's cheekbone, eye socket, all that kind of stuff. It's all fairly similar in that range, usually around that four to six weeks, um, usually minimal sort of risk moving forward. I mean, look, anybody can cop a blow to the to the face, um, but he should be back sort of around two to four, somewhere in that range. Can I ask you, um, you know, what he did was unbelievable and there was a lot of passion in that game. Just as a strictly physio slash doctor's point of view, are you mm. looking at that going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I have quite a few responses like that at different times, uh, looking at um, what some of the boys put themselves through. But I think at the end of the day, it's kind of a bit a bit of a sick thing that that's, that's the reason we all watch the sport, right, is because these guys are putting their bodies through – these superhuman feats that none of us would probably dream of uh, needing to do. Um, look, yeah, like I, I look at that and I just go, look, you know, that's that's just a superhuman effort. We see it, you know, we, like Cooper Cronk got, um, you know, publicised to the ends of the earth for things he did in the grand final. Like the, the efforts from these guys, and that's that's a big thing that I try and bring with my platform as well, is, is actually shining a light on how significant the the toll that these guys put their bodies through because kind of they go through their career and then they retire and they kind of go off a lot of fans maps and they they don't really sort of I guess fully comprehend not only the short term but then the long term implications put playing you know footy for as at a at a level and for as long as these guys do it, it has a really really I guess, um, extended effect on their bodies. So it's, I, I will never, ever talk ill of a, of a player sort of being able to push themselves to the limits. Well, let me tell you, if I ever fracture my face, tell my boss I won't be there for six months. <laughs> yeah, that's right, mate. Exactly Unbelievable. Right. Tell me about uh, one of the good guys of rugby league, one, one of my favourite players, um, Christian Welsh. Yeah, look, it like really, really sad last year because he kind of went through a bit of a roller coaster. There was a knee injury earlier in the year where it was kind of suspected he was going to have an ACL injury. And, and once again, one of my things that I always say is that the hands-on tests that the medical staff do sort of directly after a knee injury is, is really accurate for identifying whether there's an ACL injury or not. So they sort of do a test to, to see the looseness of the knee and sort of see how it's feeling. And, and, and they sort of said to him, look we think you've got an ACL injury he was devastated went and got scans and found out no it wasn't an ACL injury it was just a meniscus tear and so he was over the moon and that was fantastic and then what do you know later in the season he he, he does suffer an ACL injury so that that was really shitty and as you say like like one of the best blokes going around, um, which is, you know, makes it even worse. So, but look, he's doing really, really well. He went over the States to do some extra training and, and make sure he's, you know, really looking after himself in a return from this ACL reconstruction. And look, as we've seen from Ryan James, uh, Billy Smith in the preseason, and then potentially even Jack Bird now, like that, that chance of re-rupture is, is there. Um, so doing every little bit that you can to, to try and make sure that, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're as safe as possible. Returning is important. So, the fact that Welsh has, has done that is is really good signs. The the general rule worth mentioning with those ACL injuries, though, is that look, players often aren't back to their best till their second season back. So, the first season back, it's kind of look finding their feet and getting that match fitness under their belt, and then usually that second season back is is when they really hit their stride. So. Hopefully Welsh can have a like a relatively sort of injury free season, and then I know he's off contract at the end of the season. So hopefully someone picks him up after uh, off a good season from the Storm. Can't see him going too long without a contract. Let's uh, let's move on and have a look at some of the Novacastrians. Uh, Bradman Best is a fellow that I had on my podcast a few weeks ago, and just a champion guy with all the talent in the world. But good God, he knows his way around a uh, rehab room, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. Look, he, unfortunately, it sort of first came out that he was he was you know suffered a foot injury just after stepping on someone's boot at training. Um, was wearing a you know was wearing a moon boot, came out of it, and, th- and you know it was like no, nah, it was just a minor injury, no worries. But then um, he unfortunately, obviously, it didn't settle down because he had to have surgery. So it was apparently it was reported as a fracture. I have also heard that there was sort of a bony like a piece of bone floating around in there as well. So there's a few sort of different reports running around, but thankfully he's looking like he'll be back around that sort of round four mark. So he's still, I think he was still in a boot this week, um, but he's still got a month to sort of get out of the boot, um, get running and stuff like that. So um, depending on how the, uh, how the night centers go, you know, he might be eased back in sort of through New South Wales cup possibly. Um, But uh, yeah, look, I don't think there's many long-term concerns for him. There is, there is worth mentioning that bones in the foot do have – there are some bones in the foot that have sort of a poor blood supply, so they can kind of take a little bit longer to heal and, and linger around a little bit. Um, so hopefully he hasn't fractured one of those bones. But, um, yeah, we'll wait and see how, how the sort of practice reports are leading up to sort of around three to four. Tell me about the Knights' young 5'8", Phoenix Crossland. Um, you know, some big wraps around him in the preseason. Everyone was expecting him – to wear the number six in round one. What's his injury looking like? Yes, yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a one that kind of like syndesmosis was a bit of a buzzword a few years ago. So he's got osteitis pubis, which is like an inflammation of the pubic bone. Um, so I put up a photo of where that's located and got quite a few interesting, um, you know, humorous comments because it's, yeah, right up sort of, you know, in between your two groins is probably the best, the best way. I You're asking for it. that one, mate. I've got no sympathy <laughs> for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So look, that's a tough one as well. Like it, it like, because it's a it's something that comes on over time due to you know sort of muscle imbalances and stuff like that and increased loading through that area 
it can take it, – it's not like, a, oh, we'll rest for two weeks and this will be okay. It, it, you just have to kind of treat it on its merits. So the Knights were pretty confident that he'll be back early in the season. I haven't seen him named anywhere as yet, um, and it is something that, as I said, can take a little bit of time. But once again, the fact that the Knights are coming out saying, look, we're confident he's going to be back early in the season probably means that he's responding well to treatment. Um, you just got to hope that it doesn't sort of linger around and re-aggravate. But he's one that, once again, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to have him by round three um, because it is one that's a little bit more unpredictable. Over at the uh, foot of the mountains in Penrith, we've got James Fisher-Harris, who's been named to start on the bench this week. I would say that he's had a bit of a disrupted preseason, yeah? Yeah, so that was this. This has been a bit of a weird one, to be honest. Like I, um, he suffered the pec injury, obviously, sort of early in the in the in the preseason. But that shouldn't really have too many um, like impacts on on his availability for round one. Um, like a pec injury, you know, even your most severe tears, ten to twelve weeks, and usually guys are pretty much you know pretty much recovered. Um, so that was, I think, he had sort of four and a half months to recover from that for the start of round one. And there was a report that came through, I think it was from the Daily Telegraph sort of last week that he'd suffered a shoulder injury and he wasn't going to play. And then that was reversed and he was going to play in round one. And so uh, look like the big thing with the pec is where you tear it is up on the shoulder. So sometimes it could be referred to as a shoulder injury. That's a bit of a mysterious one. I like, I'd be surprised if it was his pec still holding him back because as I said, he sort of had, he's had the best part of so 18, 20 weeks to get right for an injury that, you know, 12 to 14 weeks max. So I'd be surprised if his pec, is it a new shoulder injury? That's one that we're just going to have to wait and see because it is a surprise that he was named on the bench because it was a guy, he's a guy that they were considering for the captaincy at one point. I did read. If you've drafted him, it certainly is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Look, I've, I've got him in, I think I'm in four drafts. I've got him in two of my drafts um, and sort of didn't, yeah, like I drafted him because I didn't have any concerns. Um, not from the pec anyway, as I said, there's a bit of mystery around their shoulder injury and, and, and different things. But I certainly leading into my drafts didn't really have too many concerns, but now sort of, you know, hearing these reports about the shoulder injuries and stuff like that, it's, it's all a bit mysterious. And, and I never liked that with, um, injury you know sort of news like you you much prefer it if it's like the club comes out and goes look this is what we're dealing with you know away we go whereas yeah with that it, you know it's a little bit mysterious it's like well what what aren't what aren't we hearing here so yeah it's one that I personally will have to face coming into the early season. JFH he's lucky enough to be taking the field uh Dylan Edwards not as lucky tell me about Edwards. Yeah, so um, look, the off season of ACL injuries, there was there was quite a few pretty serious syndesmosis injuries as well that required surgery. So he um, suffered a, a pretty high grade syndesmosis injury in training. Um, had uh, the tightrope repair surgery. Look, we're seeing players come back as soon as six weeks. Um, it used to be like, if you go back five, 10 years, it was, it was a three to six month injury, like a, well, even longer. Um, but with all the new surgical techniques and rehab and, and stuff like that, players are like, we've got Raymond Fatal and Mariner coming back for the Bulldogs in six weeks. You Most players though, it, it's usually eight to 10 weeks. So I think Edwards is aiming from sort of round four onwards. Um, but look, it is one that if he, if he pushes his rehab, he might be able to return a little bit sooner. 
Let's uh, let's move over to Redfern, and this was one of my favourite stories of the off season. Uh, Patrick Mago, uh, you know, didn't have a contract up at Brisbane, made his way down to South Sydney with Bennett, and um, you know, I thought in 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 those trials he looked amazing. Um, unfortunately, he's injured. Tell me about that injury. Yeah, mate, I saw him in the Charity Shield, and like as you said, just phenomenal. Like was carting the ball up like a madman and, you know, just score. I think he scored a couple of tries or, or scored a try and laid one on and was just killing it. Um, so, look, didn't see much in the game, but apparently he tore his peck, which was, you know, usually there's a big sort of incident that you see him, you know, go down clutching at their shoulder or the front of their chest. and But there was nothing really there. And then, yeah, it turns out he tore his peck. So, as we talked about with James Fisher-Harris there, look, like usually around that 12 weeks, is, is, is kind of bang on average for recovery from that. So the Rabbitohs won't get to use him until probably about round 10 or so, um, which is a real bugger because, you know, they had a bit of a bit of a gap there in terms of, you know, needing a forward to step up and replace the likes of, of Burgess and uh, Sam Burgess who's left. Um, but, yeah, he, he won't see the field until at least round 10. He would have filled a great hole for them. Let's, uh, let's move on to the Dragons. Uh, their captain, recently named Captain Cam McInnes, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of mystery around this one. I was told he was out till week ten, then he might play week one. What's doing with Cam McInnes? Yeah, so look, they I think the Dragons sort of you know were very very wide in their recovery range for this one. So he did suffer a high mid to high grade MCL injury, which effectively usually indicates a grade two or grade three, which is a like a partial tear or a complete tear. They gave him a six to twelve sort of recovery week range, which usually indicates that grade three complete rupture kind of thing. The most players in the NRL are coming back in six to eight weeks from that kind of thing, probably 10 weeks max. Um, but we had players last year, pretty much I think eight weeks was the longest that any player took to, to return from that. Um, so I very, very much doubt that he'll be out till round 10. The most recent reports were, oh, he might be back for round one, which would have been a five-week return, which I think is probably just a little bit on the on the too soon side. So I wouldn't be surprised to sort of see him around that round three to four kind of range, um, which would fit right in with like kind of what is usual for this kind of injury. Uh, Corbin Sims is another front rower that um, the Dragons will be missing on the bench. What's his injury? How's he shaping up? Yeah, that was a strange one too. Um, he came back from the nines sort of and was like, oh, um, you know, I think I've, we think he's refractured an arm that he that he broke of his forearm last year. Then no initial scans were like all good and you know a little bit of rest, a little bit of bruising, and he'll be he'll be fine. Um, apparently the pain just didn't settle, so they sent him in for secondary scans and they did find a small fracture. Um, so he went back in for surgery, I believe, and so. The fracture sort of in around, I think he had a plate inserted last year as well sort of to fix that fracture. So there is sometimes an increased fracture is sort of around that plate because it's not continuous with your bone, obviously. It's a, it's a sort of a foreign object in there. So different sort of amounts of forces go through different parts of the bone in those cases. And so if he's if he's sort of fractured in around that plate, there there is a little bit of, you know, increased risk moving forward. Um, but look, like usually in around that six to eight weeks, it can extend out to 10 to 12 12 weeks if it if it sort of is more severe fracture but I think the the dragons are pretty confident of having him back sort of around that round five to six kind of region 
We've uh, we've seen Zach Lomax now uh, take the fullback jersey. Uh, the man that was meant to be putting pressure on him, Matt Dufty, suffered a facial injury, which was brutal to watch in the uh, in the nines tournament. How's Dufty shaping up? Yeah, that was a pretty heavy collision. Um, you're not going to, you know, talk about injury prone and stuff like that. There was nothing Dufty could do about that one. Um, just copped a, copped a straight blow straight to the face. Um, yeah, look, we talked about before with Brendan Smith, those facial fractures, usually around that four to six weeks. So week one would have been four weeks since he suffered it. So I haven't seen if he's named in New South Wales Cup, but he'll, he'll be available for selection, I'd say, provided he hasn't suffered any setbacks in the first, you know, one to two to three rounds. Let's jump over the ditch and have a look at the Warriors. Uh, one guy that, you know, I just wish he'd stay fit because he's such an incredible footballer and he's been in every draft team I've had for the last four years. Uh, Jazz Tavunga, how's he shaping up? Yeah, look, like that was that was a bit of a, look, you talk about the toughness of players. Like that's one that's gone under the radar that I don't think people probably comprehend just how tough the effort was from Jazz late last year because he suffered his high ankle sprain or syndesmosis injury. I think it, it was fairly kind of mid-season, like at least half a dozen rounds to go. And he just played through it. And then he re-aggravated another bloke, landed on his leg, and he just kept playing through it and got to the off-season. The Warriors were kind of hopeful that they'd be able to rehab it and get through without surgery. But they just obviously couldn't get it to, to settle down enough, so he, he did undergo surgery. But to to be able to play through an injury like that for for the best part of you know almost half a season, um, and then require surgery in the off season, like a high ankle sprain isn't something that you can hide very much. Like it's not something you can really strap up either, and all the pain goes away. Um, so yeah, like that was a crazy, crazy effort. So I think he's expected back around round four. Um, but I, w- I look, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back sort of round, you know, two or three, but the, yeah, look like moving forward once again, not too many concerns for his, uh, for re-injury. It's just one of those things. If a player lands on you wrong, there's not much you can do about that. Fuck. He's a tough little customer, isn't he? Oh, massively. Like I, like, as I said, I don't think like those kind of, those kind of stories just, gets kind of swept under the rug a little bit in terms of, you know, if it's not big and flashy, people just kind of go, oh, yeah, like he played through an injury and, and that's fine. But like that, it's, yeah, I I definitely think that's one of the, the better efforts last year in terms of, of toughing out quite a severe injury to get through the season. A uh, bloke that I've really liked over at the Roosters for a couple of years now, Josh Curran, he's made the move down to New Zealand, uh, played really well in the All-Stars matchup. What's his injury? Yeah, it's just, look, if you can get injury news out of the Warriors of anything other than a listed body part, then you're doing really, really well because they, they tend to just throw out. So all they've thrown out with Curran is calf. And that's that's pretty much all we know at this stage. I mean, your options are there a strain or a cork. Um, so I would assume it's a uh, it's a strain. Because if it was a cork, usually, look, he's had two weeks to sort of get over it since the last, since the last trial. Usually, you're gonna, that's gonna be enough time for even the more severe corks to sort of get over that. So if he's dealing with a strain, um, look, it's something that you've got to consider the the high risk of sort of re-injury and and they linger around and stuff like that. So I think they'll be taking their time with him, but. Look, they haven't. I think one site has him listed as expected back in round two, but what that's based on, who knows? Um, as I said, yeah, the Warriors are a bit cagey with uh, with their injury info, unfortunately. Their physio uh, might be a mute just quietly. It's like a black <laughs> hole, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, you get you just get nothing from them, unfortunately. But um, yeah, look, it's you know, as I said, it's uh, obviously clubs' prerogatives to look after number one, and and um, that's what the Warriors do well. Last team in our list, the West Tigers. Uh, their captain Moses Mbai. What's his situation? Yeah, so a bit of a weird one. Suffered a concussion, and then on as he was sort of falling to the ground, um, injured his knee. So he sort of fell awkwardly, twisted his leg, and and suffered a, a just a minor MCL sprain. Um, I think I think it's sounding like he, he's describing it in the media as like an MCL tear. So usually like sort of in layman's terms, that's usually an indicator grade two injury, which like best case, and he did have a brace on, which once again, usually indicates sort of that grade two, so moderate grade um, sprain. So usually that's sort of three to anywhere from three to six weeks, but usually sort of three to four weeks to, to get back from those ones. So I think he's hoping for round two, but could be anywhere from round two to four. Another bloke at the Tigers that I've got huge wraps on, he's just constantly in the rehab room, unfortunately, um, Jacob Little. It's obviously not a good sign that the Tigers are heavily chasing Harry Grant. Um, tell me about Jacob Little. Yeah, so that was one of the more devastating sort of injury stories from last year. I mean, Robbie Farrell went down and Little finally sort of got his shot. He's he, he kind of been lurking in around there and had shoulder injuries and different things that have kept him out of the team. But he finally had that had that opportunity and um, yeah, suffered a multi-ligament knee injury. So ACL, PCL and LCL, which there's there's four sort of major stabilizing ligaments in your knee. And so I'm pretty sure if I remember right, he, he has, he tore three of them. So uh, look, uh, oh, actually, I think it was his MCL, sorry, ACL, PCL, MCL. And and so recovery from those kind of um, multi-ligament knee injuries just take a lot longer because obviously the ligaments sort of stabilize your knee in different directions. And if you just rupture your ACL as much as that's a, a long recovery, um, once you add in the MCL and the PCL, it's just taking more support, you know, more stability away from that knee. So it just takes a little bit more rehab and recovery, you know, working on uh, stability in different directions and during different moves. Movements. So, look, he's one that I – look, they're kind of saying after the origin period is when he's aiming for, which, look, you know, is is very achievable. That'll sort of be 12 months since he suffered the injury, which that's pretty standard. So anywhere in that 9- to 12-month range in the NRL is when you tend to see them coming back from those multi-ligament knee injuries. But I wouldn't be shocked if they sort of said, look, let's just, you know, really, really hold you back and, and, and get you through this season. And then um, start it, you know, start it up next season. Um, it would like that wouldn't be shocking, but it, it'll all depend on sort of how he does at that later stage of rehab, how how stable his knee is, and how confident they are that they can sort of avoid any any further injuries. Mate, there, there's only four other clubs we haven't really mentioned, and pretty much because they don't have any major injuries. You know, off the top of your head, is there anyone that we haven't spoken about that you think's worth bringing up? Um, oh, look, for, I think for super coach purposes in particular, probably the two that I've talked about a lot during um, during the offseason is uh, Jake Turbo and uh, um, Adam Blake. Um, look, they've been named. They were initially supposed to miss sort of three to four weeks start of the season coming back from shoulder reconstructions, but they have been named which is once again, it's within the normal like expected range. So it's not that they're coming back, you know, super early, uh, you know, and breaking sort of, I guess, normal, normal timeframes, but it's worth, like considering with these forwards who are coming off sort of major, major shoulder surgery, 
without much of a preseason, you know, match practice, stuff like that, workload-wise can be a little bit um, restricted going into the season. So um, people have been asking me, you know, like turbos, uh, gerbos at a, a bit of a um, restricted or like a, a better price to start the year, I should say, this season. Um, he's not one I'd sort of be going after. I'd want to see it from him first um, before he, we, we kind of go from there. But it is also worth considering the fact that his average was down last year and he was obviously carrying a shoulder injury. So he didn't suffer like a clear dislocation or anything like that, which often results in these shoulder reconstructions. He just kind of dealt with a bit of a, obviously over time, he just sort of built up a bit of shoulder instability and then was waiting for the off season to get that looked at. So that's something to take in consideration in terms of, I think even if he starts a season off slow, <clears throat> pardon me, if you can, if you can kind of time it really, really well to get it where he's hitting those good minutes, you know, starting to build his workload up, I wouldn't be surprised him sort of returning to past seasons sort of performance sort of around that mid-season mark. So even though Fenua Blake and, and Turbo aren't ones that I would want to start with necessarily, they're ones that sort of buy that you know, if you can time it right and find and find that sweet spot, I think you'll reap the rewards sort of mid to late season. Brian, mate, it's been great having you on. Uh, thanks for giving up your time. Hopefully we can catch up with you uh, at some point during the season to catch up maybe around the origin period with what's doing. Um, if anyone that we're listening by some form of a miracle lives under a rock and doesn't follow you, where can they find you? Uh, so I've got more on all platforms at the moment so twitter facebook and instagram and just nrl physio um if you probably want the quickest and most up-to-date info uh twitter's my main sort of one and then then facebook and instagram sort of come after that but yeah nrl physio on all those platforms beautiful mate it's been great having you on i look forward to having a chat with you during the during the season no i really appreciate it mate thanks for all the kind words and I'll, i'll talk to you later in the season thanks brother we'll catch you soon cheers Thanks again for tuning in to the Rugby League Guru podcast. We're lucky enough to have the footy starting this weekend, and I, for one, cannot wait. Uh, we've got the Parramatta Eels versus Canterbury Bulldogs tonight. I'm going to take the Eels by about 22 points, and I'm going to say Ryan Madison first try. How good is it to have footy back? Uh, remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, like, subscribe, share with your mates, and remember, always kick the corners and keep playing smart footy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 